When was the last time you thought about farm safety for your operation? Sure, it's Farm Safety and Health Week, but what steps should you be considering year-round? Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. Agriculture is a dangerous business. It's a job where so many different factors can conspire to hurt or even kill you. That's why there's an annual recognition of these issues with Farm Safety and Health Week, which is wrapping up this week. Frankly, however, farm safety is a year-round issue. We dig into some key factors for you to consider on your farm with John Shutsky, Agricultural Safety and Health Specialist at the University of Wisconsin. His work focuses on issues of injury prevention, worker health, mental health, stress management, and risk management. In our conversation, he focuses on his top five safety tactics for the farm. Well, John Shutsky, University of Wisconsin, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Thank you, Willie. Appreciate it. Great. I know this is uh, obviously this is the week. I know we're coming up. It's, we're running this on Friday, the week of Farm Safety Week. But isn't every week Farm Safety Week? <laughs> That's a really good question. I think officially this is the 79th official observation of National Farm Safety and Health Week. By the way, we added the health part back in the early 1990s to like recognize the fact that farmers not only have injury and safety related issues, but also this like myriad of unusual health concerns. Um, but you are you are right. And it frustrates me a little bit because like we pay a, so much attention and there's so much like media coverage of Farm Safety and Health Week. We we do it by presidential proclamation. But yeah, October, September, October, super dangerous. But so is that early planting season. You know, we have times in the winter when we're emptying out grain bins or doing other things. So yeah, it is something we need to be thinking about year round. That's for sure. And I, I try to keep that as top of mind. And, you know, and agriculture has become, even though it's a, even grain operations are almost 24, uh, 24-7 through the season. Like you say, you're putting grain in, you're taking grain out. And then when you add livestock, that's a whole different challenge, which we're not going to dig into today. But uh they, they bring their own safety challenges yeah. year-round. Well, being a Wisconsin guy, I have to dig into it just a little bit, but I understand. <laughs> I understand your point. Yeah. Yes, there's there's livestock all over Wisconsin, and some states have backed away, but definitely it's big there. But, yeah. you know, we, we've been uh, communicating by email, and you brought up uh, kind of a nice – top five thing as we are getting in deep into harvest season. And I kind of just wanted to roll through those if we can and dig into each one of them a little bit. Um, and I think the first one is something I don't think everybody thinks about is are uh, my lights and markings on my equipment. Is, is that up to snuff? Yeah. So one of the things that we are finding, at least here in Wisconsin, although I, I do think it's all of the states here, at least in the Midwest, we're seeing a large number of fatal injuries, collisions that are happening out on highways. I mean, it makes sense. Equipment is getting bigger. Um, you have more. You have more traffic on a lot of our highways. Uh, if you are driving a, a car, pickup truck, motor vehicle, and you're going 60 miles an hour, and you come up on the back of a couple of loaded, you know, a grain car, gravity flow wagons, whatever it might be, you might as well be approaching a brick wall. Even if those vehicles are going 20, 25 miles an hour and you're going 60, you know, you think about one 300 bushel gravity flow wagon, that's 
15,000 pounds of, gr of grain, plus the weight of the wagon, plus the mass of the tractor, you, you are essentially approaching a brick wall. So um, state regulations do vary a little bit from state to state. Actually, they vary kind of considerably. A couple of things that I want to make sure people know, that slow moving vehicle emblem is still your, your best and that is one that is that is required in all of our states here in the country. Slow moving vehicle emblem, and it also has to be visible. Um, I could take you out right now. I live in Dane County, Wisconsin. We're just 14 minutes the other side of Madison, and probably within five minutes, we could come up on the back of a forage wagon or some other vehicle that doesn't have an SMV emblem. So you've got to have those in place. It is your best insurance. The other thing that we really have to, I think, preach about a lot is flashing amber lights. If I am a quarter mile away, even in evening times, I'm going to see something if it has its flashing amber lights on and also also turn signals. Um, what worries me the most is if I'm driving that big farm tractor or combine and I go to make a left-hand turn, in many cases, visibility to the rear is going to be really limited. So making sure you have turn indicators that are visible both from the front and the back. Um, the one final thing I'll say about lighting is a lot of states say like, well, you only have to really have them on with many of our farm vehicles during the hours between like sunset and sunrise. I tell people if you've got the lights, if you've got the flashers, use them. It can be bright and sunny. You're still going to get the benefit of having those lights and especially the flashers and the turn signals. Yeah, I know that um, the United States is all over the map on this. I know when I'm in Europe, I think that uh, flashing or circling yellow light on top of a machine is almost required in like Germany and several countries over there. You don't miss equipment on the road there, and they drive equipment even more than we do on the road. So that's yeah. interesting. Well, 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 let me just say one thing about that. Yeah. One of the things that happened a few years ago, and, and this is not widely recognized even by some of our states, and that is the federal government said – Anything that is now manufactured, uh, considered to be farm equipment in this country, manufactured after the middle part of June uh, 20, I believe the year is 2017, there are very specific requirements. Now, if it's pre-2017 manufacture date, you know, you're basically fall back onto your state requirements. But that is something that I do encourage people to have a look at is, you know, optimally light it with all of the stuff that is required according to that federal regulation. Oh, that'd be good. What do you think about adding reflective tape? Uh, you know, there are companies that make some pretty harsh, you can see them for a half a mile away, reflective tape if your headlights hit it at night, about yeah. adding that on a machine. Yeah, there are a number of specialty reflective tapes. You know, one of the big manufacturers that first come out with this stuff years ago was 3M. Now there, now mm -hmm. there are a number of manufacturers this reflective tape that has like little built-in prisms that do prism as in like light reflection, and they do a really fantastic job. <clears throat> and if you do follow those those federal regulations with large the larger equipment, the the retro reflective tape actually is required. Um, we did have a situation here in Wisconsin, I believe it was in 2017. It was an older John Deere combine turned onto a public highway. I think he had some of his lights on, uh, but did not have the, re the reflective tape on the side. Collision occurred. Uh, three people, I believe, in an SUV were killed on the site. And so, yeah, the, the tape, all the 
all the things we're talking about are are really crucial. You can't make yourself too brightly lit up. I'll just say that. That's a good rule of thumb. Can I see you? You know, that's important, definitely. So as you know, as we move through here, and those are all great tips and some things I think people should check with their dealers, especially if you're legal based on the federal requirements on the newer machines, that would be something to check with your dealer on for sure. Um, as you go toward harvest, though, um, we talk about an area that I, this sounds like common sense, but I think that we miss this sometimes. We should prepare. When you talk about preparation, what are you yeah. thinking about? Well, I went to school at Purdue, and when I was working on my graduate degree, I, w- I worked on machinery fires, combine and tractor fires in particular. And one of the places where I got a lot of my early information in kind of thinking about safety was going down to the Indy 500. Hmm. And if you think about your farming operation, you may not be an IndyCar fan or even a stock car fan, whatever, but you, you're never going to head out onto a racetrack or a football field with, without some degree of practice and preparation. When we talk about this big equipment, again, whether we're talking about making silage, combining corn or soybeans or whatever it might be, there is a certain amount of preparation that has to go into it. Making sure all of the maintenance is done, following the instructions in the operator's manual. You know, when a company like John Deere or CNH puts out an operator's manual, they're thinking about that maintenance, uh, not just to make you feel good, but also to make sure that that machine lasts a long time. The other thing that we know is that when things are not properly maintained, you're much more likely to have a breakdown. If you're not thinking about and practicing ahead of time and really kind of like planning out ahead, you might have those unexpected breakdowns. And we do know absolutely for sure when things happen during this busy time of year, oftentimes it's kind of surrounding an unexpected event or in particular a, a breakdown. It's it's stressful, you know, here in Wisconsin and like a lot of our states, you've got winter like right around the corner. You've got this really limited time window to get that crop out of the field. So and I know a lot of people are already going at it, um, but but take that extra little bit of time to make sure things are well taken care of and well maintained. And again, your operator's manual is probably the best source of information. Well, and I would assume that as part of that preparation, all the proper shields and decals are also in place on machines. Yeah, I think that's a given. I mean, yeah, especially things like power takeoff shields and Mm -hmm. other uh, things you might take off for doing maintenance. Make sure that they're not only in place, but, you know, kind of latched and locked so that you don't lose them out in the middle of the field. Um, And again, just kind of going back, check the slow moving vehicle emblem, check your lighting, you know, do the walk around. The other thing that I do often worry about is, and I think we're going to touch on this in a moment, Mm -hmm. is if you've got lights that are flickering or you have any sort of electrical things that are happening, you want to make sure you get those taken care of in advance. Electrical malfunctions out in the field during busy times can be like maddening because they're a little bit harder to track down. And so this is the time to do it before you get into the into the throes of, you know, that super busy time. I, I grew up on a farm and I just remember remember my dad, like once harvest got rolling, Unless you had a day or two's worth of rain, like even getting him to stop for for five minutes was really difficult. So so do it now when you've got a chance. And and it is an investment that I think pays off. 
Yeah, definitely. And the interesting thing that's happening on the technology side is some of this newer equipment can actually alert you if a failure is imminent so that perhaps you can schedule it when you do get dad out of the combine. So those are yeah. the kinds of things that are coming if you can get him out. Well, and, and that's another a good reason to look at the manual, because like right. some of these lights and some of the, you know, the operator information that's conveyed by a dashboard or a computer or whatever Sometimes it's not always super intuitive what it is. So like, yeah, understanding which what what lights mean what things and having just a little bit of uh, of baseline uh, information so that if something does happen, you can anticipate and and react appropriately. The other thing I think is also kind of knowing your personal limits, what you can handle yourself out in the field in terms of a repair versus having to bring in uh, a mechanic or other expert to to help you deal with it. Absolutely. So one issue um, moving on, and this is one that I've dealt with, I've talked to a couple people about, and it's a growing issue, at least according to my Twitter feed, is fires on equipment. And how can we avoid that? Yeah, I I saw that um, there have been some things that we wrote a few years ago that got sort of reposted this fall. I think um, an article I did a number of years ago talked about combine fires being a 20 roughly a $20 million annual problem in the U.S. I actually think that number is probably quite low. Um, it, 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 is, it is becoming an issue that I think is growing in terms of public awareness. At, at, same with me on Twitter. I see a lot of, a lot of burning combines, tractors, and, and other machinery. Let me just talk a little bit about prevention. Um, people think about belts and bearings and gears and things like that. Oftentimes, tractor Oftentimes combine fires, I should say, uh, tractor fires, it's the same. Almost always, 60 to 75%, these are going to start in the engine compartment. Um, Anytime you have a heat source and you've got a flammable material, dust, chaff, straw, you know, things that are flying around in the air, not at all uncommon during harvest, you do have the recipe for fire. Um, I am beginning to hear some scattered reports this fall and a little bit last year about some of our modern exhaust systems, particularly those that are designed to uh, burn off or reduce some of the soot and particulates with with diesel engines in particular. Um, They they are going to run really hot, especially during certain times of operation. So so now, even more than in the past, I think keeping that engine compartment super clean Spending, you know, 10, 15 minutes in the evening with the air compressor, set of goggles so that you're not going to get stuff in your eyes, getting rid of that straw and chaff and dust. And then the other thing as you clean off that crop material, also look, also look for uh, hydraulic fluid, seepage, motor oil, any, any leaks. Um, chaff and straw does not burn that hot, but if you get hydraulic fluid going, or motor oil, or especially if you get a tire on fire, being able to put that combine fire out is almost impossible. So cleanliness is just so super important. I guess you could also call it housekeeping. Paying attention also to all of those areas around exhaust components, mufflers, uh, exhaust manifolds and things are all critical. I'll also say one other thing is probably not all fires are preventable. Um, there are things that are going to happen. So having access to a couple of high capacity fire extinguishers 
The bigger the better, although something bigger than a 10 pounder is a little bit challenging to kind of lug around. I always tell people have two extinguishers, one that's accessible from the cab, one that's accessible from somewhere on the machine. It could be the ladder or some other location where you can grab it from the ground. Um, and if you, and if you do have a machine that catches on fire, you need to have a plan. Pull away from the standing crop as quickly as you can. Get the machine shut off. Grab the extinguisher. I would also recommend probably getting help. You know, picking up your cell phone, calling, calling, getting some help out there, and then attempt to fight it with a fire extinguisher. Um, Again, there are a lot of these bigger fires, especially if you have wind involved or you forget to shut the engine off. They're going to be tough to deal with. But but on a smaller fire, a fire extinguisher will do a good job. Right. And finally, just get clear of the machine. That's <laughs> sounds simple, but yeah. running is running is not a bad thing. So. Yeah, no, you're you are right. I mean, uh, we had a car fire in our driveway back in 2014 and uh, it was, you know, it was a gas, you know, just a, it was a Toyota Corolla. It was a gasoline yeah. engine and it got into the fuel system. And that thing, we had like three people out there with ABC dry chemical extinguishers and it was like that fire laughed at our extinguisher. So yeah, getting getting away from it, keeping people safe. Uh, I mean, people hopefully have well-insured equipment uh, that's always there as the backup. So please make sure you first protect yourself. But if if you can put it out, having that correct extinguisher is crucial. Right, that's important too. That's for sure. So one of the areas that that I think is interesting on the safety discussion that I don't always think about. And but I think about a little bit more and more because of the changing nature of labor in our market in agriculture, and that becomes to training. But we get to the other side of this. I don't run that combine every year. I might put 150 hours on it or 250 hours on it in the fall. Then I don't touch it for eight months. So between the training and me not knowing the equipment, I mean, isn't that an issue I need to deal with? <laughs> yeah, I think we all we all need training. I mean, as, yeah, like you say, you've got equipment, a combine you might run, uh, you know, in the tens or hundreds of hours a year, but then you're not going to touch it again. There's other equipment, maybe not as sophisticated and fancy like a grain auger, where you might only use that for a handful of hours a year. And yet we know things like augers are among the most dangerous pieces of equipment. So so don't take your equipment for granted. Again, I think your best source of information is your manual. If even after you've read the manual, you still are confused about something or you have questions or you're concerned about what information that machine might be conveying, checking in with your dealer, getting the getting the correct expertise. The other thing I'll say on the labor side of things is, you know, we're now hiring, we're trying to hire people to run machinery here in Wisconsin to milk cows, to take care of livestock and those sorts of things. And one of the um, one of the attractive groups in our labor force is often older people who have retired. Maybe it's from a job in town. In my dad's case, he had a, a wonderful hired man. His name was Ed. My dad hired Ed at age 75. And my dad <laughs> was always a little bit intimidated. I think he was probably almost 25 years older than my father was. And my dad never wanted to kind of broach subjects of safety because he was afraid of offending Ed. And we had a conversation about this once. And, you know, Ed said, when I first started combining with your dad, like there was so much on that newer equipment that I had never seen before. 
So don't assume that older uh, folks who, who you're, you know, even if it's a person who's active farming, actively farming, make sure that they are, you know, familiar with the machinery that you are asking them to operate. Uh, definitely the same with younger workers. With younger workers, there are also some uh, legal requirements, but don't assume like you can't teach an old dog new tricks. The other thing I'll say about that is if you've got an older worker, you're probably thrilled that you've got somebody who's going to be dependable, who's going to show up for work on time. Uh, but you may learn something from them by having some of these conversations about safety. And I think that's a lot of what safety is about is communication, learning, doing things not only more safely, but also maybe more efficiently and more, uh, you know, using your brain a little bit more than your body on some of these tasks. <laughs> I'm trying to do that more and more the older I get. I'd rather use my brain, but that's a different issue altogether. You know, the, finally, I think one of the other areas I think we don't think about is, well, we don't think about it because we have to get the work done, um, is those 20-hour days we're running at harvest, uh, trying to get in ahead of the snow or whatever. How do I deal with this burning the candle at both ends? How, what do you recommend? Yeah, so that's it's a great question. And, you know, I mentioned having grown up on a farm and there was a time it was actually the very last year that I went back before my dad retired. Well, he never really retired. He continued to work yeah. for a local grain elevator. But but as a farm safety specialist at that time, I worked at the University of Minnesota and I wanted to get some photos. It's like, Dad, this is the last harvest. And I remember him one day in particular driving into the field with the semi that we were going to begin loading that morning. We were on the Hall farm owned by Mr. and Mrs. Hall. And I said, Dad, could I could you just hold still for five minutes? And he would not do it. I mean, <laughs> it was also the time the September, October, November, like my mom dare not talk about a three day weekend or anything like that. So so it is tough. Um and yet at the same time, I do think we do have these natural breaks, whether it's because of rain or other weather conditions. Here's, well, here's what I tell people. I tell people to spend 10 minutes, ideally it's more like 30 or 40 minutes on a Sunday afternoon. Look at that week ahead, see if there are some things where you could maybe naturally work in a little bit of a break. Maybe it's taking a half hour or, or more like an hour, hour and a half to go to a kid's like a sporting event after school. Uh, maybe you know that you're going to have a rainy afternoon. So maybe getting some things around the house taken care of. Also, just being able to take some downtime um, as a farm kid, like, oh, it was almost shameful, even on a rainy day. If it's like I'm just going to sit on the couch for an hour and watch TV. But but yes. but doing a little bit of planning and thinking about that week ahead Maybe making some notes, thinking about the significant events, not only for yourself, but for your family. That can really do a lot. It kind of gives you a mental roadmap for what that week ahead might look like. Um, and I think that that, well, I don't think, I know that that mental roadmap does help people alleviate stress. So just a little bit of planning. Do it after Sunday dinner or what, while you're watching the football game or after church. The the planning investment really does pay dividends down the road. I'm also going to say one other quick thing. As a farm kid, we really struggled with this. Once you're going, you're working the 18 or 20 hours a day. Uh, food was a, was difficult, getting adequately nourished. And yet we'd never think about taking the old, you know, 66, 20 out into the field and putting 
crummy quality diesel fuel in it. But we do the same thing with our bodies. You've got to make sure you're thinking about fueling yourself, your brain. You are essentially a machine and you need the nutrition. You need calories. You need some balance. Um, it always cracks me up. I had one situation one time where I was with a guy and he pulled out his lunchbox, uh, actually at the urging of other colleagues, and it was <laughs> it was like a Fort Knox full of Snickers bars and Mountain Dew. Ouch. And occasionally that's okay, but if that's where the balance of your calories or the majority of your calories are coming from, you know, for days or weeks at a time, you're going to have a hard time with it. And that's going to obviously influence your health, your well-being, and, and also your ability to make decisions because our brain is it needs calories and quality and, and yeah, protein, um, definitely. And protein. Yeah. Yep. So interestingly, most of the new combines built within the last six years have some sort of cooler or refrigerator under the buddy, the excuse me, training seat <laughs> yeah. that's in that machine. So you can take a nice lunch and bring it along. It is not going to spoil. So that's yeah. important to keep in mind, too. Definitely. So. Well, John Shutsky, this has been a great conversation about safety. There's so many ideas out there, but these five areas that we discussed, whether it's, uh, you know, as we look through this and we talked about this, when we're talking about the markings and the lighting, prepping the machine, make sure it works, dealing with a fire preparation system and, and, and making sure we're on top of that, training and re-familiarizing ourselves with equipment, and also maybe not burning the candle at both ends and maximizing those rainy days and maybe a break and definitely eating right maybe keep people a little safer. And thank you for your work as a farm safety specialist. Appreciate your time today. Well, and the same with you. We really appreciate the, the partnership with the media because you're an important source of information. And for a little recap, Shutsky discussed proper lighting and markings on machinery, proper preparation of equipment, as if you were a race car driver ready to keep moving, managing fire risk on equipment, training and education even for yourself on machines you've not spent time in for a while and finally taking care of you which is a potent bit of advice in fact Shutsky says that in studies conducted in minnesota wisconsin nebraska and the dakotas there was a clear association between work hours in a week and injury risk taking a break matters Thanks to John Shutsky, University of Wisconsin Agricultural Safety and Health Specialist, for his in-depth insights. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and more. And if you have a smart speaker, all you have to do is tell it to listen to Around Farm Progress, and you'll hear the latest episode. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands, as well as farm futures, beef, national hog farmer, and feedstuffs. And our events, including the Farm Progress Show, Husker Harvest Days, and the New York Farm Show. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening. <music>